It's Davy, the scapegoat, when you're the best at being the worst. Do you know what else I learned over the last two months? Please tell me. Is that our fan group mm-hmm. are called Little Kremlins. Kremlins! Yes! Like little gremlins, but they're little that. kremlins. Because they're terrible. <laughs> Little creatures that multiply <laughs> when you feed them after midnight, they go crazy. I love it. That's mm. so appropriate. It is. Mm-hmm. That's us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I liked it. Yeah. Don't feed us after midnight. Don't, don't spill water on us. Don't feed Davi after 6.30. What do you mean? She'll, she'll lose her mind. No. I'm getting better about that. Yeah, our schedules are changing. Our schedules have definitely changed. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Um, you know how sleep has always been an issue for me. Yeah. And ever since we've been together, and I remember when I first met you, I was working like nights at Door Forty Four, which is like a club. So I wasn't getting home till like three thirty in the morning. Wearing booty shorts. Um, I wore a robe to and from. You couldn't walk in the street dressed like that. No. You had to put on a and robe. And I then I would get to my apartment complex, and it was gated, but there was a bit of a walk from where I was parking, like all the way to my apartment. But I was working these nights at Door Forty Four, and then I would work brunch shift at Carroll Street uh-huh. the next day. Yeah. And then I would go to your shows. So I was regularly getting like four to five hours of sleep and just be, and I'm not a napper. Call it a day if I'm doing Mm. that. Like I must be sick. I must have the flu if I'm doing that because it's weird. So I convinced myself I work better on four hours. I was so tired and so foggy, but I kept telling myself like, I'm sharp. Yeah. I'm so good. I can live like this. One day my heart will explode from it because sleep is really beneficial to your health evidently. Yeah. But we did the sleep study. I have sleep apnea, so I have a hard time staying asleep to begin with. But the hours I have kept for the last over a decade, I was like, I'm I'm a morning person, obviously. Like I get cranky at night. If I'm eating after six o'clock, I'm cranky. If I'm fo- if I'm not in bed by eight thirty, I'm cranky. And I am delightful in the mornings. Listen to me go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I started getting more sleep lately, trying to understand my sleep schedule and with sleep aids, melatonin, Ambien, or that hydroxyzine. What's that? It's like an antihistamine. I can't. I have some, uh, yeah, some other antihistamine. It's like a really strong antihistamine, but like not really, but it's for it's sleep anxiety aid. and Mild sleep. sleep aid. But it, yeah. that was a heavy one. And I was let go on June 13th. Mm-hmm. And I remember. Set my alarm <laughs> the next day because I felt like I should listen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and our lawyer told me to. Um, when it had been like a good 24 hours... And I went to bed. I remember that first morning, I slept until like 7.45, almost 8 o'clock. What the fuck? I haven't even done that on weekends yeah. for the last 10 years. On weekends, you would wake up, mm-hmm. and I'd be downstairs already having watched an entire movie or something. What I remember is that I would still wake up at like 8 o'clock or 7.30 on the weekends because that's that I adapted to your schedule. Yeah. And on the weekends, the thing that, <laughs> that you would do um, because you were so used to that early schedule is, you know, when we wake up and it'd be 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday, you would just get right into the talking. <laughs> you know? 
and I'm I'm laying in bed. I'm like, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I'm gonna not have coffee yet. I'm gonna mosey downstairs and make some coffee in a little bit. Maybe make some breakfast. And you just start yammering, <laughs> you know? Yammering? Yeah, yammering. Like because yammering. it it was your. It was your routine. You were not used to waking up quietly. You were you you're used to waking I was used up to waking up and then getting right into and it. Gavin. You know? And, and and you would whatever thoughts that you had on your on your mind from the day before or that you were going to have thoughts that you were going to have that day would kinda like come out in the early hours of the day between seven thirty and ten and I'm like Davi, yeah. can we can we not get riled up about this right now? I'm just like not riled up. It's just sometimes it was like you want to hear about my dream. Yeah, <laughs> would you still love me if I was a snail? So, sometimes it's like uh, dumb yeah. shit. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's some, stupid. Sometimes it's dumb shit. Sometimes, sometimes it was very very shit. relevant, serious existential thoughts on stuff and 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 you just you were used that was like your radio mode you are were used to talking in the mornings yeah so and then once i didn't that sigh that sigh was that was everything oh it was everything (laughs) did you feel that yeah that was it the sigh for you did you (laughs) really did you just release your attachment to getting relaxment to to morning (laughs) talk yeah Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was trying to say is you know what a struggle sleep has been. Mm-hmm. It's weird how quickly I became acclimated to being unemployed and sleeping until eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's okay, let's be real. Like eight. If I had a normal nine to five, I could still be getting to work. Yeah. You know, but maybe a little bit earlier. But yeah. I'm I'm it is weird how even on the weekends I'd be waking up at five AM. It means we could potentially have a social life. Yeah. Even on the weekdays, because we go to bed at like 11. We've gone to comedy shows. And wake up at 7 instead of going to bed at 8. Yeah. And waking up at, at 5. I like the the opportunity that we have to be back in the local scene and yeah. go and see more shows. We had to go to comedy shows on a Wednesday. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's just... Like go get pizza with our friends. And, and I would go on the road and, and go play shows and then and still have like come home at like three o'clock in the morning and then a day after that adapt back to this like waking up at five yeah, I schedule with you. yeah yeah so it was very very flippant and um and it wasn't always easy to sleep in even if i had a show like that night i would try and sleep in um but not couldn't necessarily do it yeah. i just i thought there's something to be said in suddenly realizing like oh i can sleep yeah you can sleep. i just wasn't in the right headspace for it for a really long time that's crazy. yeah you didn't jolt out of bed with the with a sense of panic or headache or anything like that like no. you had been dealing with for the previous <laughs> didn't help that you had a stressful work environment yeah. a stressful uh, situation in the back of your head when you're around the people you're supposed to be around, I think your body is not tense. It relax. I think it relaxes. I think your body tells you yeah. where you're supposed to be, and you could ignore it, like check engine light. <laughs> yeah. Or you could listen to it. And, and, that's, and, that, and that's kind of 
the way it was living with you when you came home your body language felt like you were hanging around some people that you shouldn't have been hanging out with and then you would come home with a, a more you know way too often trying to shake off um, that feeling mm. and readapt to being at home and being comfortable and being around people that are truthful and honest and loving. It was always apparent to me that that you were coming back from a bad from from a bad situation and in a confusing environment and it bugged me so much that you couldn't just walk through the door and feel a sense of relief to be home. Mm-hmm. It took you an hour to readapt to being in a place where you could let your guard down. Maybe something that happened, something that was said, some sort of remark or some sort of steamrolling that somebody did over what you said or just it be, uh, being completely ignored because they're trying to edge you out, because they're trying to make you feel like you're not funny and make somebody else feel like they are. And I could see it, and I would always be able to see it. And um, I would ultimately be in for a little, <laughs> a, a, a longer conversation. You know. Initially, I got used to, or, or accustomed to, any emotion is over emotion. Bringing yeah. up anything. And you got like, used to that when? Even as a kid. So if I had too much energy, came home from school laughing too much, having too good of a time, was making too much noise, I would be punished. So it was like joy. It was punishable. And then coming home like in that reserved space, I've been overstimulated all day. Like there's just been a lot going on and a lot of people picked on me at school. I am guarded and shut down right now. And then you get home and what's your face about? You need to smile more. You have nothing to be sad about. You're, you're ungrateful. There are so many kids that want for so many things. You're ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Your life is, is perfect. Now go and do the same punishment that you had for when you had too much joy last week. So we always had to like go do farm stuff. Uh, we lived on that dirt road that was a couple miles out into the woods. So we'd have to go and yeah. pick up rocks. It was usually, if you're too happy or too sad, you had to go pick up rocks, get them off the road, and um, throw them into ditches, and then some of them would get saved for, if they were nice and flat and smooth, they would get saved for, like, flooring. (laughs) And I've been, and you've you've taken me out to that property, so I know exactly what you're talking about. they would get saved for flooring or fireplace. But you were punished for for showing emotion. Any, really any emotion was punishable, and it always... I didn't realize how much that really like fucked me up. I am scared to get like too big with people, but I'm also scared to be too guarded. I have it to be just right. Like if I am trying too hard to be your friend, I'm going to annoy you and you're going to you're going to think I'm just overzealous, obnoxious if I am guarded and reserved like all those kid pictures you've seen of me looking cranky yeah i don't know why but every picture day i think i just thought every photographer 
was a which is a prick. <laughs> like I just was like not feeling it. I, he was, I, they were asking you to emote. Yeah, and you and you. I don't like being, were thinking that they were setting you up. For yeah, pun, for punishment. Oh shit! I've never. That's deep. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. But mm. yes, I was very wary of all photographers. So there's a lot of pictures of me as a kid not knowing how to respond. It's yeah. like when I was sad, you're saying you need to smile more. We're going to send you away to boot camp so you have, finally have something to frown about. We'll send you away. We'll send you away. And then you come home with too much energy and you're having too good of a time because you didn't get picked on that day and you have a new best friend and her name is Jana and she's great. All the Britneys are mad at you, but it's okay because mm-hmm. you have Jana. And then you come home and you're too happy. You got to get punished for that too. Either end of the spectrum sure. was enough. So then when a photographer's saying smile, it's like, that's a fucking setup. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucker. I wore my little shirt sure. and my thing that my mom dressed me and, and just take the fucking picture and let's and move so on. So that's why that's why you you're you're coming home from work with I, a lot on your mind and 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 I don't I don't and I have to get back into that place where I'm like oh this is my husband I feel safe to tell you like, yeah what's that's up all I wanted was for you to come home every day and leave the job at the door and and feel like oh thank God I'm home. You know, and then just and then you could just forget about it, but it wouldn't end with you coming home because the job was just it was a it's a twenty four hour thing. Yeah, a twenty four hour thing, full of full of emails that address situations from the day and try to address problems um, that happened during the day, but not address it to the person that was the actual problem, but address it to the the whole group hoping that the one person that <laughs> was the problem would pick up on it and and make a change in in their performance but they don't because they think that they're perfect and that sunshine comes out their ass and so you had to hear all these criticisms that just don't e- didn't even apply to you knowing full well who that they who they applied to but that the the person in charge didn't have the fucking nads to just say it directly to their face. This and is all your perspective. This is my perspective. <laughs> I have a look. I have a pretty fucking strong perspective of everything. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, I, I was. Your perspective is your opinion. <laughs> my perspective is also my opinion, not necessarily. It's not necessarily the opinion of David Crimmins. Anything that I say. <laughs> Anyway, let me intervene here because I'm the I am the lizard lawyer, and I would also like to say that I'm probably the best segment that that uh, crap ass <laughs> show ever had. Um, and in fact, the boss man himself wrote me in particular and told me and told me so. So, and because I prepare when I show up to work, those messages yeah. I would always take to heart and get really in my head mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I cared so much about the product that. I just always wanted to do my part. So yeah. like every little bit of criticism, even if it was going to the group, I would be like, they wouldn't say it to everybody if not everybody was doing it a little bit. Mm. But then it would be something that's like, I can't be pulling you guys in. You gotta give, sure. you gotta give 110%. Hey. But then a couple of days later, I would get like a private message that's like, you need to chill out because other people can't get in there for right. so much. And yeah. I was like, 
All right, so I know that that big message for so the had, staff was not meant for me. Why did you exactly. not just fucking send it to they that person? They had no problem addressing you directly <laughs> when it was a problem with you directly, but it was a problem with somebody else. It was a group chat the, who, the, on deaf ears. You know how I always have that story from the burlesque days when when we were all at our rehearsals and Morgan wrote on her notes bring a game like mm-hmm. that's all she wrote like yeah. everybody else took really detailed notes and she just wrote bring your a game on saturday yeah. and i was like i love that you had to write that down that's always been in my brain every day when i go to work you know bring a game. is i i think of you morgan Kessner, your... and i and i think morgan of your little... shout out to morgan <laughs> i think of lucy lipstick and i think of her little paper yeah. that said bring a game in all caps and i'm like bitch yes I do need to write that down. I had a little Buddha in studio that reminded me to to stop and listen, mm-hmm. you know, like chill out and listen because everything you're saying, every reaction you could have is only as good as what you're hearing. If you're ignoring the person that's talking and you're just trying to think of something funny mm-hmm. to say at the end of them talking, then you're not really paying attention. You're not being the best that you can be as far as being in a team. In stand-up, of course, you're just looking for the next joke. But it was it was so beneficial for me to have that visual every day, bring a game. So I would, I would be too much. Some people would be like, she's a lot, mm-hmm. you know? But some people got me. So every day... I was going in there. You brought your your A game. game. Yeah. But still, every single critique, I was taking that to heart and to head and refashioning and retooling myself constantly. And that can be exhausting. But I, there was never an issue with me not saying enough. There was no. never an issue with, you were lost. Yep. There was never, ever an issue with, you didn't have anything to say in that moment. You didn't prepare. There was never. Yeah, no an issue with that Mm -mm. i've had nothing but compliments on my improvisation my my comedic timing my wit my quick Uh wit specifically all of these things they've never had to pump me with any kind of energy drinks or anything i have always just wanted the best for the for the team and i worked so hard to my own detriment to to where when i said hey this uh this is kind of funky, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, you're being overly sensitive. This this is icky. Uh, this is a bad this vibe. Is, there's a this problem. This is bad vibes. There's an interpersonal issue. There's, there's, there's an issue here. Yeah. They can look over the last year of emails, Yeah. and they could only find me asking for air checks, help, right? explanation of my role, mm-hmm. and mediation between someone that was outwardly hostile. Was there ever a time when they, uh, when you were unable to do anything on the technical side? Mm-mm. Yeah. No. You were always able to, to 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 handle recording, tech, board operating, all that stuff. I've never. Yeah, I cannot mm-hmm. think of a single thing I've ever dropped the ball. When I when you invited me here to this podcast, uh, and the mics were on, and <laughs> you hit record. Yeah. And it happened. Like, we're we're fortunate that we in the pandemic, I wanted you to be able to play your banjo and the dogs to be able to bark, and I didn't want anyone on the air to hear it. And I built this studio where we could be hardwired into the internet because so many people had Wi-Fi issues working from home, and it's just hard to be completely on the air 
and for Wi-Fi to go out. Like we were living in a different time. So I was like, I want to give the best product I can. And we had a Christmas break that was like two weeks long. Mm-hmm. And I said, what we I went want- went to town. Yeah. We I, tore, this, we I tore I this stuff up. Cleaned all these closets mm-hmm. and moved everything from your merch closet into that one that I cleaned this out. This room that we are in and used to just be housing of all my records, CDs and, records. and t-shirts. And uh, we moved it all out of there. It was it's, it's a it's a fairly small room with some what is it the wire uh, wire rack shelving. Yeah. We tore all that out of there and we and we, we put up we put up all the all the foam studio foam and now we're in here. And Hang I mean on. I you know I did take some voiceover classes and I I got you know I did some auditioning and I did some cool voice stuff in here but it mm-hmm. was for my job. Yeah, it was for the job. It was. It and was it, to have I you know I went and got the best quality microphone. I mm-hmm. wanted the best internet we could have. We got right. all that rewired. I mean even the touring, like going to different markets and mm-hmm. seeing the people that, like hanging with the people right. that listen to us in all Listening. the different cities. All of that was to show that like you, this is you, my priority and right. this is my number one and I am always bringing my A game. Yeah. Even when I'm working from home. Even when I'm on the road, I'm representing. And you got zero appreciation for it. That's your perspective. And that's <laughs> my perspective is that you got zero appreciation for you going on on the road and doing your comedy tour, and and they interpreted it as you taking advantage, or or just like making money off of the brand. We'd had a lot of meetings about market visits. Sure, and then you I thought it was a good right. idea. Right, you. I know. Well, what I, that's what I'm saying is that yeah. you know you, you, you we booked every place that was in the market, and and then we get messages saying from the producers saying let's do a meet and greet and ever and send everybody up there to do to 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 do a market visit because we're in Nashville. You know, you're doing a show in Nashville, and that and that market is kind of is kind of like slipping, and it's not that great. But we're trying to build it, so. Because of your show, all this extra promotion um, went out there, and, and I had you, already been promoted. You had already sold out the show practically it by was the by the time. Yeah, no, you had already sold out the show. We didn't need any help. We didn't need any help. <laughs> but they wanted to come and 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 ride your coattails into town, and well, and and yes, and wanted to ride your coattails into town. And and do a market visit where they get to meet and greet with their local fr- fans. And what happened? They showed up drunk and late to the meet and greet. It was a thirty-minute meet and d- greet, and they got there they twenty-five minutes in. They didn't. They got there twenty-five minutes in. They missed the whole damn thing because they did not give a shit. They got so drunk the night before at the hotel in Nashville. From what I understand, they didn't even go out anywhere. From what I from what I hear, they got hammered in the hotel. And then 25 minutes late to the meet and greet, did jack shit except go up on stage and introduce the opening act, Dedrick, introduce him wrong, mispronounce his name, and then sit out <laughs> in the crowd. Rick. <laughs> sit out in the crowd and try their hardest not to laugh when there's a sold out room of Dobby fans around them. Then the next morning, you guys go to the Nashville affiliate station. This is my opinion. They go. They go to the Nashville affiliate station um, because they're all up there for this market visit, and the mics come on, and 
nobody says a word about being in Nashville. What the hell? Dobby says, maybe maybe we could talk about the show that happened last night. Maybe we could talk about being in Nashville. The answer was, what are we going to say? Well, I don't know, motherfucker. What are you here for? Why did you come? He said, Why did you drive all the way up here if you're not going to mention a goddamn thing about Nashville? Did you really? Your producers told you to go up to Nashville to promote your own company, to promote your own show, and you went up there and then said nothing about it because of your pride, because of the pride of the guy next to you, because you can't offend him, because you can't make him feel less than, because he only fucking plays one comedy show a year. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. Time out, Jane. <laughs> I'm making some more tea. <laughs> I'm making some more tea. <laughs> Time to go. Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sayonara. Love you. I love you. Hit that guy. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll be kicking it again with Blair Crimmins very soon. In your next episode, Dedrick Flynn is back. And guess what? He's got perspective, too. (laughs) What did you want us to call you in Nashville? The Chocolate Diamond. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) They know that. Yeah. I wrote it down. And did they do it? No, they thought it was racist. Which is weird. You asked for that. That was your request. There was a black dude who could have said it. (laughs) (laughs) If it was so fucking racist. (laughs) (laughs) Call me Diedrich, too. Diedrich, that's my student loan name. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of Davi the Scapegoat, the podcast for outcasts. The man be up think twice if all you will try to win mess with the demon, mess with the demon, don't you mess with the demon like me. You know, if there's a fucking another, if the supply chain bullshit goes far enough to where there's another shortage on toilet paper, I have enough <laughs> cease and assist here to wipe my ass for a fucking year. Wait. <laughs>